from the Willamette Valley in America's great Pacific Northwest. You are listening to the Ernest Mann Show, and I'm your host, Ernest Mann. No matter where you may be listening in this great, big, beautiful world, we all share. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening. And this is episode number 159, Philosophical Musings, Accepting Things As They Are. Before we get started, I just wanted to give you this brief message. I'll keep it brief. I only do this maybe once a month. What I would ask is if you would please consider going to my website at theearnestmanshow.com and click on the uh, Put Some Food in the Fridge tab and consider supporting the show. As you know, I do not take advertising and I want to keep it that way. And I want to do everything that I can to deliver the best that I can to you, for you. But I could really use your support. So go on over there and check it out. And there's also a little merch page that says Earnest Stuff. And so if you... uh wanted to take a look at that, it would be great and very appreciated. Thank you. So, now, on with this conversation. This is something that I've been wanting to talk about for some time now, because... What's really interesting about this, um, as actually with most things of a philosophical nature, what many people do not recognize is the value of philosophy because philosophy is the foundation of everything else that you build on it. In other words, how many, you know, how many times have you heard people say, oh, well, you believe this, that, and the other. Oh, that's your philosophy. So you can, for instance, um, believe many things as far as uh, social policy are concerned. And from that, other people will perhaps often correctly make the assumption that, oh, well, those those things sound really conservative. And so they'll peg you as a conservative, and oftentimes they're correct, or if you're liberal or what have you, because it stems from an underlying philosophy. But a person needs to ask the question, which is I don't know, basically a chicken and egg question. They say, okay, well, if if all this stuff flows 
and stems from this given philosophy, where did the philosophy come from? Well, if you want to talk about a philosophy um, as far as, you know, a person's view of the world, um, that is a very individualized process. People may, in general, fall under um, very broad categories, but when you pick it apart, you find there's a whole lot of individual uh, notions within, say, a movement. <clears throat> Let me give an example. Let's take the word possession. Now, within the context, as a noun, as a verb, I mean, it can have several different connotations. But what most of the time people use possession is to um, own, have ownership of whatever it may be. So, also as far as it being something involved in the law, it's called if you have something illegal, an illegal firearm or an illegal substance or drug, then the term definitely has a, uh, a negative connotation with the laws called, you know, possession. But what people seldom talk about is dispossession. Now, a famous, <clears throat> or let's say infamous, person once said, and before I say this, I'd like to ask you to actually think about it. You know, stop this, pause this if you have to. Think about it. And I ask this question and say, you know, say to yourself, do you agree with this or not? Based on, you know, your life, your experience. This person said that men dispossess one another. Do you think that's true? Because I have found it to be true. Absolutely. And actually, even though the technical quote is men, I believe, um, although it, it can be interpreted within the context of the book, it could be meant quite literally as men, or it could broadly be, I think, even successfully said that men as in terms of mankind, as in humans, as in people, dispossess one another. But before you can even agree or disagree with it, you have to know what it means. And... I guess, logically, if someone is to possess something, then to dispossess would probably mean the opposite, but not quite. It's not entirely correct. And again, it depends on the context. 
It's close, though. But it's basically to disown another person. But what is implied in uh, this kind of dispossession, it means that a person who you may have been absolute or you felt that you were, you know, very good friends with, it was a dear friend, and um, through any means, whatever may occur, it could be, uh, you know, they were cheating with uh, your, your, your spouse or significant other. Um, whatever it is that you consider consider to be a serious betrayal of your friendship, that is dispossession. And I believe it's true. And the problem that we, you know, we're, we, what we do, is we constantly set ourselves up for this. And we set ourselves up because we simply do not accept things as they are. As I said, disposition is something that happens constantly and more than likely, very statistically high probability, it's going to happen to you too. Because, like it or not, that is our nature. That is what we are. And everything acts according to its nature. And where we collectively and individually get into trouble is when we refuse to acknowledge that fact of life concerning our nature. But that is only a part of a structurally flawed thinking process, which in turn, in other words, it's being philosophical, but in reverse, if we keep backing up, there are suppositions and there are presuppositions, and the idea is wrong. <clears throat> so, if you have a, a solid, realistic foundation that is deeply rooted and connected to reality, especially objective truth, then you're pretty good to go. That doesn't mean you can't suffer in life, because life's not fair. But what it does mean is that <clears throat> you, as a person like this, will be much better equipped to be able to deal with life's unfairness when it inevitably comes your way. But if your suppositions are incorrect to begin with, then it, it brings pain. It brings 
pain and suffering unnecessarily. So, so many people are affected by things that they simply don't understand above all is they really have no control over. Because ultimately, unless we have them, I don't know, locked in a jail cell or, or something like that. I mean, for the most part, we really don't have control over others. Not really. Some may have more than others over some people. But at any time, that can change. You know, and people simply, most people, <clears throat> they don't want to accept that. They want to believe in something else. They want to believe the exact opposite of those realities. So this is why... And this is what I'm trying to say by this example. That when you have been dispossessed, when your spouse or lover or what have you, um, for instance, if you had an agreement of exclusivity, let's say, in a relationship, and you find out very factually, very conclusively, that they've been cheating on you, well, then the entire pain scenario takes over. And with some people, um, that means a deep-seated anger. And with some people, that anger is so deep that uh, they, uh, they lash out not only verbally, but physically, or both, and sometimes, as I'm sure you're well aware from all the true crime stories, it leads to them uh, killing the person that they had once dearly loved because of what happened to them, because of the betrayal, or as I was saying earlier, the dispossession. Now, the way to protect yourself against this requires, as most things like this do, it requires discipline. It requires a restructuring of your thinking. And if you're willing to do that, and it's not a question of if you can, because you can. You just have to be willing. And sometimes you go <clears throat> for a few days, a week, a month, and you fall back into the old pattern. And you have to be willing, like so many other things in life, you have to be willing to get back up on that horse that just threw your ass off and try it again.
you have to be tenacious about change if you want change. And there can be a whole course, a whole group of things, of false premises, let's say, or what I, what I call false operational premises. I've called it that for quite some time. There can be more than one series of things that are just wrong. And generally speaking, unless, unless there are artificial means, and what I mean by artificial means, I'm talking about if they happen to have been fortunate enough to have been born, let's say, in a wealthy family or obtained some great wealth somehow, um, they don't get on with life very well. And so that means employment and, and all that. And oftentimes these people can find themselves in, you know, really bad circumstances. It's already disheartening enough when you have to uh, live with a family member or say a sibling because, you know, you say, well, had this problem and I had that problem and this, that, and the other. And everybody occasionally has problems, but you know in the back of your mind that it seems like if the truth be told, if it be faced, you always have a problem. It's not so much you having a problem with the world as it is the reverse. The world has a problem with you. And that is because, and depending on your age, of course, this is because in all this time, you have failed um, to, you've failed to learn all of the unspoken truths. And one of those is that you have to accept things the way they are. Now, I don't mean to be indifferent to them, but what I mean is if you have, for instance, a, a person in your life and you have disassociated from them. Uh, you have dispossessed them. Sometimes it is done for reasons of self-preservation. I had to do that many years ago. I had to do that very thing with a very good, very close friend of mine. And um, it was a slow process, but I would say overall it was like the course of, I don't know, six or eight months. And um, But it wasn't just me. I had other inputs on what I was experiencing 
and um, you know other people, friends and family, of course, noticed all these changes. And what had happened was, was he became mentally ill. His his grasp on reality um, began to slip, and it slipped more and more to the point where literally I could not talk to him. His mental illness was so so bad, he would just babble. He was just, okay. So I had to um, pull away from him, lest I go crazy, lest I be overcome with, you know, Feelings that were would not have been good, especially at that time when I had other people who also were depending on me to be emotionally strong. Couldn't afford it. So, so all dispositions are not the same. But what is the same very broadly speaking, is the difference between people who otherwise may be perfectly sane, but they simply do not accept reality as it is. And as a consequence of that, they have uh, troubles in their lives that... Again, a lot of people who are not thinking as they are thinking, they are not processing the world as they are processing the world. So objectively, they look at them and they say, oh, okay, yeah, uh, Billy, yeah. Well, he used to be, you know, pretty cool and all, but now, shit, he's, he's crazy as cornflakes. And just leave it at, at that. But, but really, without being that <clears throat> the extreme, I'm just talking in and of itself as a milder form of being crazy as cornflakes. If you're walking around and you simply have those failed operational premises, if you, for instance, are someone with a uh, and this is this is very prevalent today um if you have a victim mentality cuz it's very popular for for many reasons in and of itself it it kind of segues and goes with the whole woke thing it's a it's a part of the woke identity that whatever is going on, do the reverse of what you should be doing and taking responsibility, at least the best you can to some degree, and just basically folding your hands up under your and pouting, saying, ah, I'm a victim. Nothing I can do. I'm just a victim. That's easy to do. 
and the thing is, the sad thing is for those folks, is that the more you do that throughout your life, there's a correlation. The more you do it, strangely enough, the more of a victim you become. So it's kind of, well, it's not kind of, it actually is self-reinforcing. So one of the major problems that I see is a philosophical one. It's not, you know, when we talk, there's so many, there's so many mental conditions supposedly that's floating around out there. But you know something that I I seriously suspect a lot of this, I'm not saying all, because there are definite mental illnesses. There are, for instance, people with personality disorders. And I'm not going to speak of that at this time, but um, that is something that is so extremely difficult to deal with that, generally speaking, if you look up in the the uh, DSM-3 or 5 or 8 or whatever the hell it currently is, but, um, yeah, there's supposedly therapeutic treatments, but this falls under... Um, you know, personality disorders, and you can't fix them. But there's a difference between mental illnesses and serious mental illnesses such as personality disorders and a failed philosophy on life basically because you're full of shit. Your ideas are either... Besides wrong, they're stupid, or they're both wrong and stupid. And if you have, if you're walking around and you're interacting with the world, and it doesn't matter what you're doing, uh, chances are things are not going to work well. And it's not going to work well with any interactions. As an example, think about this. If you had to go to an auto mechanic, just say in your town, you, you, you were not going to a big dealer or some, you know, multi, multi-bade uh, corporate place. It's just, just individual mechanics. You got two or three of them in your town. Now, would you want or to take your car? Would you want to take your car to a mechanic that has a notice and he's, he's friendly and he could shake your hand? Um, but he's stupid. And uh, he doesn't exactly know actually really very much about cars. I mean, he likes cars. He likes tinkering on cars. 
but he's not exactly a modern-day mechanic, let's say. And did I mention he's stupid? So I don't think you'd want that. <clears throat> I know I wouldn't want that. Who the hell would want that? I wouldn't want to take my car to such a person. And that's what I'm talking about in dealing with people who um, have these, these dysfunctional ideas. They're very dangerous. And they're very dangerous for your life. And it's important that you, therefore, it is... Um, really important for you to recognize the kinds of people that are not accepting things as they are around you. In other words, apply what I'm saying to those, not just yourself, I'm hoping you'll think about it yourself, but apply it to the people, especially when they're having problems, and think about, you know, like you got this person and they have a huge problem with their relationship that, um, you know, is, is really dysfunctional and crazy physical with the other person. And then, you know, whether it's a sister or brother, and then they want to move in with you because they have this crazy situation with their, you know, partner or whatnot. And, but you look at these things and, you say, okay, because maybe there's a part that doesn't want to accept, again, when it's a, a, a very good friend or a sibling, you know, family member, this is where the problem comes in the connection. Because hopefully, if it were anyone else, then you talk about their life and you find out, oh, okay, so this other person basically is having these problems that they're having because they are not dealing effectively with reality because they want reality to be something which it isn't. That's the whole idea, for instance, behind creating the victimhood. Because... After all, if they convince themselves that their their life is so awful or, or whatnot because they're a victim, well, then it's the only next step is anyone around them, mother, father, sister, brother, good friend, whoever, um, that, um, you know, that they are a victim. And if the person believes that because they want to believe it because... Um, there, there again is an emotional bond there, then it's self perpetuating. So, this is just something that I wanted you to think about to help you, not just for yourself, but anybody else in your life as it may affect your life because 
many times you find that all of this that's going on is for the very reason that I just explained, which is this other person cannot effectively deal with reality because they do not accept reality as it actually is. That's the core problem. And I would add, <clears throat> if you want to avert a lot of problems, potential problems down the line in your own life, I would strongly suggest that you heed this advice and begin the process of reevaluating your outlook and your processing, your thinking about the world, because you know, again, if you're uh, if you're walking around and you're interacting in this world. And of course, that means if you're doing that, then, you know, you're, you're touching all these different lives. And again, if that means friends and family, and that can be ruinous, and that's what I'm talking about. See, if this, if this took place, for instance, in a vacuum, you know, if... If you had a person who was, again, son, daughter, or, or sibling, or whatnot, and they were, you know, the old term they used to call as a black sheep that just can't, just doesn't want to cooperate or fit in. Now, if you, for instance, you know, were able to divorce yourself, of course, I'm not talking about the legal process. I'm talking about the separation that you have emotionally and, and whatnot. And you say, look, again, Billy, let's say, you know, Billy, if you want to be um, the way you are, meaning you're, you're, you're disassociative with society, you insist on being crazy, crazy. You will not cooperate. You will not. You simply, you know, if that's your thing, fine. If that's what you want to be, fine. That is your choice. But you're not going to do it around me. You're not going to do it in my presence. And I don't want to be around it. So you can go to the next neighborhood or the next city or county or state or country or shit, go to the moon. I don't give a shit. But as far as this kind of abnormal disassociative behavior, I don't want to be, I don't want it in my presence. So, you know, now, if you have, if you know what I'm talking about, that's the talk that many people, after all the terrible things happened to them because they did not follow that advice. And I've heard countless stories. And it's sad. 
it's very sad. And um, didn't didn't even the person didn't even listen to their own advice. And then this is what happens. So if you yourself don't want to be guilty of this, one of the very core things that you must do is accept things as they are. Not what they could, should, maybe, or might be, but as they are. And especially if we're talking, you know, if we're talking adults or semi-adults, you know, basically kids, you know, teens, teenagers, things can be changed. They can be turned around. And it also can work in the opposite direction, unfortunately. So many teens have been, came from, you know, stable families, went to a high school, got good grades. And you look at them, you know, they're 16, 17 years old, their whole life's ahead of them. And, um, yeah, and something clicks and of their own accord, they seek out, they start hanging out. I'm not talking about trouble and abuse at home. None of that. None of these things were present. They, they just decided that they went to, let's say, the dark side, if you want to call it that. They just became um, disassociative. Uh, they became, I'm not talking about, and I'm not talking about cases of a, uh, of a severe psychological breakdown. I'm just talking, there's their core personalities that change. And they sometimes, you know, they change for the worse. So I've talked to two many people, everybody from very wealthy people to, you know, gutter bums. And I've met quite a few very intelligent sounding, articulate gutter bums. And they fessed up with me with complete honesty. And they said, no, there wasn't no abuse, no alcoholic parents fighting. There was no trauma or turmoil. I had a good life. We weren't, you know, mega rich, but lived in the suburbs with the rest of the kids. I had a good life. And I decided to fuck it all up. Sometimes it happens. It's just us as individuals. And you can't really, beyond a certain point, you can't do anything about it. You have to accept something good or bad as it is. Well, what did you think about that? I'd really like to hear what you have to say. So go on over to my website, theearnestmanshow.com and put down your two cents worth. And while you're there, please feel free to listen to any and all the episodes you like. Plus check out the other interesting things on my website. Until next time, this is Ernest saying take care. 
I'm out of here. <laughs>